Well, shalom everyone. Uh, do you hear me? Uh, we're going to start in two minutes or so. Uh, do, uh, everything is working well technically? Yes, okay. Shalom everyone. Thank you. Uh, if you have any question to post to me, maybe I can post it now. Shalom Jack. Hi, nice to see you here. Um, uh, shalom everybody, Jim, Jim and Lori, Ray and Mary, Tom and Karen. I wish I know I would know where you live and uh, meet you maybe one day, maybe in Dallas, in our convention or elsewhere. Um, any question for me uh, so far from from the last one? Jim and Lori, Apache, Oklahoma. Okay. And uh, okay, shalom. Um, we live in uh, Harker Heights. Where is it? Uh, which state? Uh, Harker Heights. Where is it? Texas. Okay. Is it uh, near uh, Austin? I guess. Linda Flora Temple, Texas. Are you close to Austin? Uh, Georgetown, Texas. Okay. 30 miles, 30 minutes away. Okay. I am close to Austin. It's amazing how my, my daughter almost settled there in Austin about a few months ago. Uh, my son-in-law was uh, almost uh, got a position there in university, but then they moved to to uh, California, which uh, Stanford. So, but I almost got had my daughter settled in Austin. I would have been there almost every week. All right. So, thanks everybody to be with me today, and uh, we're going to continue our discussion about the first commandment of Noah, idolatry. To remind you, that's our topic, first commandment. Everything we just learned is so far uh, pertaining to idolatry, and we said that uh, idolatry is um, you can idolatry, we identify idolatry let's say here uh, know your creator know yourself and know your difference which is based this definition of idolatry is based on, uh, on the verse that uh, describes our creation in Genesis when Elohim said, let us make man Adam in our image and our form. So when he says that, uh, he actually put, he put uh, himself, so to speak, uh, and us uh, likened to each other. I mean, let us make Adam in our form, in our image. Uh, and that's, uh, that's uh, if you're not careful, this can lead to idolatry, according to Rashi. And uh, 
So this is a, the, the so idolatry, the understanding or to, to understanding how to overcome idolatry, we need to know our Creator, we need to know ourselves, and what's the difference between us? What's the difference? What is similarity between us, so to speak? If there is any similarity, and what's the difference? So there are in this uh, formula, in this equation, in this. Uh, 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 to know the Creator, to know ourselves, and to know the difference. So the Torah works this way. First, it presents the, the the first part of the of the equation is uh, to know the Creator. So the Torah tells us who is the Creator, what is name. And the Torah emphasizes the name here. The, the name is, is extremely important. What did He do? What did he, What does He want from us? And then finally in the story to reach to us and to see how we are built in order to to meet his, uh, his demand or his trial. So everything we learn now is, uh, or the Torah want us to, to, to know when, it, when, it, when she presents the story of Genesis, is to know that, to know the Creator, to know how we judge the world and to know ourselves. And we have seen how important it is to know the Creator by name, that to know the real name of the Creator in precise way. Uh, you cannot replace the name by any other substitute. If you say God created the world in the in the beginning, God created the world. This statement is full of reverence. You know, wow, God created the world, but in fact, it's empty. It doesn't mean anything. You took the Torah and you emptied it from his message. Because when you say God created the world in, gen in, in the beginning, God created the world, this statement is sim simply empty. It doesn't mean anything. So what does it mean to me? He created the world. So what? Let him create the world. What does it, in, in, what does it affect me? But if I say the real name, if I say that the king, the judge created the world, what a difference in the world. Now we know that the, the world is created to stand judgment. The entire world, not only us. So the precision in the name is extremely important in the Torah, especially when you study Torah. Yeah, I can re refer to him by, as a God in a reverend, in re as an expression of my reverence to him. But not when I learn Torah. When I learn Torah, when I learn the Genesis, when I want to derive meaning or implication to my life, I need to know what the Torah is telling me. And the Torah is telling me that the world was created uh, for state to stand judgment. If I miss that, if I just disregard it, there is no Rosh Hashanah, there is no Day of Judgment, there is no Sabbath, there is nothing. You don't, you don't even know it exists. Because you don't know that you misread the, the the first verse. So today, this this is what we discussed uh, in in the past, and today we are going to focus on a new name of the Creator. And in a similar way, the 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 the, the, the precision is extremely important of that name, the new name that we're going to learn. If you just change the name or replace it with a different name, or you mispronounce it, uh, not not right, 
or you don't understand its meaning, well, you obliterated the entire message of the Torah. If you if you don't if you're not careful with, with the uh, with the name and 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 its meaning, the message is gone. You can you can kiss the Torah, you can dance with it, you can praise it, you can even die for it, but you don't know what it says. So so the the meaning uh, today we are gonna. Uh, introduce or, uh, the Torah actually introduced to us as we as we go with our story. We learn Genesis. The Torah introduced to us in our class today uh, a, a new name. Now, but again, the name has no meaning if it does not answer a certain need. It's the Torah put it the name in a certain context in a certain in a part of the story of Genesis because it has some implication. It has some meaning. Like uh, Elohim, Elohim was done, was presented to us in the beginning to tell us that at the beginning everything was 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 created when the when the infinite Creator was sitting on the throne of judge, absolute judge, judgment, justice. So He created the world for six days as, as absolute judge, with absolute justice. Now in the story, something happened that required. Or, or, or that the cause, so to speak, the Creator to introduce Himself to the world in a different name. You know, the, the Creator, the infinite Creator, that has no name, is beyond our conception. He got many names, and the names appear in the Torah, and the titles and the name appear in the Torah in a very precise manner. Uh, and, and to answer, as the Talmud says, to answer a specific need at a specific time, like in the sea of, in the split of the sea, or as a warrior, or whatever it, it, it appears to, in the story of the of the Bible, uh, you have to be careful with the name because otherwise you miss the whole message. So now we are focused on on the second attribute, on a totally different attribute that we have seen so far. So what we what have we discussed last time? Last time we discussed, and I'm not I'm not going to repeat the whole thing just to put you into a mood, to bring you into the mood of our of what we discussed. So class number six last time we talk about the circumstances circumstances around which Adam was created. I don't know why it's stuck, it doesn't show here. Um, yeah, all mates coming, okay. So this is a last week class. And um, we saw that the we we man was born just to go over things that quickly over things that we learned last time to refresh our memory. So Adam, uh, we were born on the sixth day, not on the first day, but the sixth day, and that's Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the sixth day of creation, Adam. And as we were born, uh, the day started like any other day, we said. And Elohim created the cattle, the beast, and the snakes. Actually, uh, very social animals before us, before we were created. And everything that crawl on the ground. Apes. And uh, then he made suddenly turn around and he stopped doing what he was doing so far. And he uh, 
he made a judgment. He passed a judgment on the middle of the day while the sun was still in his zenith. It was very unusual for him to do. Because usually he, he passed the judgment only at the end of the day. On that particular floor, on that particular build, uh, day that he has just finished. But now on the sixth day, he stopped in the middle of the day. There is a debate in the Talmud. It was uh, the, the, the first third of the day, some say in the middle of the day, some say at the end of the day almost. Uh, it's important because day, as we said, days last, last, it's, uh, last usually millions of years. <coughs> so the question is at what point man was created on that day before the Sabbath? Do, how, how long time do we have before we arrive to the Sabbath? So the, the, the time, the precise time on the day that Adam was created on the sixth day, it's really not known, it's debated in the Talmud, but anyhow, conceptually it can be done, let's say, in the middle of the day when the, in the, when the sun is in the, in, the, in the zenith. And he turned around and he impatiently and actually prematurely uh, uh, judged the day, and uh, to see if it's good or not, because if it's not good, it's going to uh, eliminate that floor, that whatever he created so far on that floor. Not the entire building, just this floor. And as it turned out, it, he said it's good, like all the other days. And Elohim saw that it was good, as I put, put here. And this was in the middle of the sixth day. Now, had, now he's going to uh, go and continue to, uh, to create Adam. And let me make a point, a point here. Had Elohim created us, continue to create us, as he has done all the animals before us, uh, all, we, all, we need, all we would have to answer is the, is the man to be good. So, had we continued the same way that he had done so far, he would have said, let it be man, let it be Adam, and we would have been just another creature in nature, like maybe sophisticated apes, or sophisticated ants, social creature that create and build, but, but as a reflex, as a, as a, according to the DNA uh, that Elohim put it in us. We would have been a very, we could have actually been very smart, even invent computer and science and everything, but we would have still been like a sophisticated uh, uh, spiders or, or, or other social animals, bees or whatever. Uh, they create their own social level and we, we would have created just another uh, uh, human-like uh, like a, a society that just another step in, in evolution and or creation or guided evolution as you want uh, we would have been just another creature in nature that's uh, in that case we would have been judged just uh, to be good because like we were everything we, we would have done would have been through his command and uh, it would be very simple. We had to answer his, his, uh, his uh, laws and, or not. If we are not, we are wiped on that floor uh, like all the other animals. All the other anim uh, animals has to answer uh, his, uh, his uh, judgment and to be good. But as it turned out, well, before he, before, he, before he made us, he turned around and he lifted his sword 
even higher than ever before. Now he was judging the entire building. As he says in Elohim at the end of the, of the Genesis number, the chapter 1, and Elohim judge, uh, he saw everything that he has done. I think it should be Elohim saw, not was. Elohim saw that everything he has done, and, but, and now he says, and behold, it was very good. So he judged the entire building at the end of the sixth day, um, and, and he added, first of all, it was the entire building, and he added another criteria. Very good. Now, to be good is not good enough. We are made to make the creation very good in his eyes. Otherwise, if we don't do that, so he, he, he made the criteria more strict. Uh, we are not born here just to be another creature in evolution, just another sophisticated act. We need to make him very pleased, very pleased with us. He should feel us very good. Otherwise, if we don't do that, actually the entire creation is going to go, go away, as Rashi said, that this happened before, that he, the Elohim wiped out many, many universes before, before ours. Now, how, what was this, what is the option, what would happen to creation if we are not, if we are not considered very good in his eyes? So here, uh, we said that the, the hint for that is an amazing Hebrew word, finish at the end of the sixth day so and he says then uh, at the end of the day he says and Elohim before the Sabbath and the heaven of the earth were finished by Hulu and Elohim finished his work now if you read the English test text well Elohim finished that's all he finished the work so you know it's resting it has no meaning it has absolutely no meaning what do we need Elohim God rested, what, he was tired, what does, what does, God needs to rest, but of course if you say Elohim rested, it means first of all, if you use the precise word of name, it means that the, the judgment rests, he, read, he, he rested from judging and from creating new things, a new floor, so that's what he meant he rested, and especially the judgment aspect, he, he, he stopped the judgment, why? Because everything was so good, it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to continue judgment on the Sabbath. And we said that the the, the Hebrew word "finished" is a kala here. Is not to translate it as a what is finished is understatement. The Torah picked the There are many word word in Hebrew that the Torah could have picked to describe the ending of the work. If it just wanted to say that Elohim ended the world. He could, she could say gamma or another another Hebrew name word verb, but she picked the word kala, which is actually kilion is is a total annihilation, like total destruction. And uh, you don't you can as I said in English you say you I finish you, but I finish you is not as uh, I can mean I, I will, I'm going to terminate you. I will finish you. Uh, that has, you can use it also in English, but it's not as strong as if you know Hebrew, the word Kala is not just finish you. 
I will obliterate your memory as if you you were never been here before. I will wipe you out from 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 the mem from your name, your memory. Nobody will even remember that you existed. That's what it means, kala. Kala means zero, nothing will remain from you. That's amazing word. It was picked up here. At the same time, and you can see it on in Hebrew, in Holy Language Hebrew, and the word, the word, the word, the word, the kala also means a bride, which means the opposite of the the opposite of of annihilation. It means love and and longing to get to into marriage with with, with this bride. So Elohim presented before our birth. Before our birth, he presented to, to creation a, 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 a demand. Either you excel and become very good. In that, in that, in, in that, if that happened, I will rest, and you will see the Sabbath, the next creation day. Or, if you don't excel, if if uh, Adam with, with you will not make you very good, in my eyes. Well, I will terminate the whole world. So here is the option, this final judgment at the end of the sixth day. We, so we, we are born on the sixth day. And we are moving, human history is moving, according to the Kabbalah, to the seventh day. And while we are moving, Elohim judge every day, every year, if we, are, if we manage to make him feel very good or not. Have we moved forward to to please him or not? If we do, if we had done, if we pleased him, he can tolerate us. Uh, he will give us another year, or we'll move forward. If not, God forbid, we can face uh, annihilation. And uh, so, that's the, the the course of our history, moving on the on. We are born on the sixth day, moving towards either annihilation or the Sabbath. When the Lokim finally will rest, which means nature will rest. So we mentioned this is a bride. We mentioned other brides. Creation is, is potentially a bride. But when I say creation is, is Rabban Salvesh, so when I say creation is a bride, actually it means the same thing. What does is, what is mean creation is a bride on the seventh day? It means what I just said, that the, that the Sabbath is, is his bride. And human being, some some people say, of oh, the assembly of Israel is a bride. It's the same idea, the same idea in different different colors, different name. But we are moving forward, and that's why you know, on every Friday night, we we, we come and sing we, we, in the synagogue. We sing the walk my groom towards your bride. The groom is Elohim, the bride is. Sabbath, the queen, so he is a king, he is a groom, he walks toward the, the Sabbath, the queen, and in the hair or honor, honoring her. Well, the groom always, in Jewish tradition, I think in other tradition also, the groom is the one who, who walks toward the kala, towards the bride, to invite her to come to his home. So the kala is sitting on a chair and, she, and he walks towards her. And, uh, and to, to ask her to come to his home. So the, the groom here is a groom, the beloved groom, Lechadudi, walk my, walk, my, walk my groom towards, the, towards your bride. 
we sing it in the synagogue before the Sabbath. And who who is gonna who is gonna be the 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 the, the, the one who married to escort the best friend of the groom that will escort the groom towards the kala? Who who is that? That man. So we are as we sing in the synagogue. The, the, we are we together. I will go with you, my groom, and together we will welcome the queen of the Sabbath, the, the queen Sabbath. So that's what we learned last time, and now we're going to learn uh, what actually um, happened on that day. Uh, and to understand what, so how the question is that we need to answer today, how would man make him feel very good? What is missing in this world? That the that man can provide to 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 Elohim that make the world very good. What is missing here? How can we make the uh, world very good in the eyes of Elohim? For that, we need to go back to uh, to the verse that describe our creation. Any question? Any question for me so far? I hope you're not asleep. Okay. No. Okay. I'm glad at least one is not asleep. Awake. Fine. Well, beautiful. All right. Now we're gonna we're gonna study now a wonderful section. The 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 appearance of this of the second attribute, the attribute of mercy into the world. So what happened here? Um, I think I'll take this. Uh, I'm not so sure. No, it's not here. I'll pick up a, another class. It might show the verse that I'm talking. It's very simple. Um, we'll take Elohim is the heart of nature. Here's a list of all the all the verses. Just it doesn't move much. Okay, it's coming. Fine. So Elohim says after he created the the first part and he says let us make men let us make Adam in our form and in our image So we we want to understand what is our judgment. How can we make him please, very pleased with us? So he turned around and he speak in plural and he says, "Let us make men in our form, in our in our image." 
What is unique? What is unique in this uh, uh, in this verse? First of all, what is the tone here? First of all, with whom he is speaking? Let us make men. Who who is it, with whom does he speak? That is, and how does he speak? What's the tone? Is it a command? Is a uh, request? Does he beg anybody? Let us make men. Do, who is he speaking? With whom is does he speak? And so, and why the why the plural language? Because Elohim always speak with singular. Why the plural? Well, people can think there are many more creators than than one. And uh, so, and so first of all, the, let's focus on the tone here. Elohim said, let us make Adam. What is the difference between this and all the previous, the previous uh, uh, creatures? That he, you see, in the past, until now, the same Elohim actually gave only command. He said, let it be light, and light was. Let the luminary hang in, end in the sky, and they, they hung. He just gave command, let it be grass, and grass happened, grass grew. So until now, the language was a, a giving command, commands, he gave orders. He was a tyrant, awesome tyrant, uh, controlling the world by himself, giving, uh, consulting no one. But now, he, he turned around and he asked somebody, let us make men, so it's uh, Adam. So it's not a command anymore. So what is it? Is it a request? Is, does he request from anybody? Is somebody is, uh, higher than him? Who is higher than Elohim? Uh, does he consult somebody? Uh, who, who is uh, smarter than him? Why does he need to consult with anybody? And yet, as according to Rashi, and Rashi of course just quote the Midrash and the Torah and the Talmud, so the Rashi explained that he was consulting here, first of all, with the attribute of judge of, of mercy. So, now this is the first time that we are encountering somebody else, uh, another attribute uh, of the Creator in the story. The attribute of mercy. We will discuss her name, we will discuss how it, she appeared in the story, but first of all just focus, what, what does it mean? So, Elohim so far, and until now, let me back the point again. Until now, Elohim filled the, the nature 32, point, 32 times. The, 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 the first, the first uh, chapter of Genesis is full of, uh, full of a name of Elohim appearing 32 times at the heart in Hebrew means. So Elohim is the heart of nature. There is no other chapter in the entire Torah that's so filled with the name of Elohim as the first chapter of Genesis. Every, 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 almost every verse is the name of Elohim once or twice. 
So we feel nature. We have, we have encountered no other name. And now in the first time he turned around and he asked somebody uh, another attribute of the Creator, which is uh, according to tradition, is uh, according to we'll see it in American, how it reflected in the verse, the merciful attribute, to ask him, to ask her to come and make Adam with him. Now think about it for a minute. What does it mean merciful attribute? And I can, I, I, let me uh, kind of pose, uh, offer to you, or let me, uh, how you call it in English, well, slip my mind, let me suggest to you the notion that the, the merciful one, the merciful aspect of the Creator is just the exact opposite of what Elohim is. The absolute justice, the absolute justice that Elohim present is just the opposite of the absolute mercy. Why do I say that? It's there is actually there what what the, the you cannot human being cannot conceive a more a hundred one hundred eighty degrees opposing concept than the absolute justice and the absolute mercy. Because uh, according to the absolute justice, uh, the absolute justice says, well, a, a verdict is such and such. You know, I think uh, the, the man or the, the, the animal or the creature did such and such, and he gets punishment according to my law. Well, the, the, the judge can be kind, it can be a le it can reduce the law, the level or the or the punishment or retribution, or it can make it can make it uh, harsher or, or less strong. But the fact is that the judge follow the law, he execute the law with absolute justice, with, with no mercy. Mercy, on the other hand, is just the opposite. Mercy says, I don't care what you what the judgment is. I hear, I hear, I hear what you say. I agree with you. This is an absolute justice according to your criteria, but but according to me, I would I would see the case differently. I I see the I'm full of compassion, forgiveness, and I will I will release the case. And that's op that's opposing idea of absolute mercy that will forgive for any reason. There is no. She will smile at you. She will laugh at you, with, with no with no hesitation. You are a child, so she she love you with compassion. She'll give you another chance. As opposed to the absolute justice, is is enormous. It's a dichotomy. There is almost like two opposing concepts that cannot be um, cannot be uh, uh, conceived into one. To make them one is very, very difficult, almost impossible task. Also, look at nature. The nature is full of, of, of uh, justice, as we said, but no mercy. Uh, well, you can say uh, mercy, uh, there is mercy in, in nature. You know, let's see, take the mother, the young mother, that uh, take care of, that, or the mother that takes care of the youngsters. 
newborn animals. So for the first, for the first few months or weeks or a year, uh, she will she will take care of, she will treat them with a lot of compassion and love. Yet, if you think about it, it's only a reflex because it, this this is just a reflex to to perpetuate the species. So there is it's there is a clear benefit from that for that relationship, for that mercy. Whereas mercy as we define it here, the attribute of mercy will, will forgive you without any benefit. It's not, not for your goodness or for, it just forgive you because of, of the sake of mercy. If mercy had, had to control the world, then all the killers will be released from, 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 from jail. Nobody would be put to jail because every every murderer can a story to tell you he had a hard time to grow up and you can identify him and you release him for free. You what what he didn't do anything wrong. With mercy I forgive you, give you another chance. This is just an example how can mercy go to extreme? You know, when when mercy rules the world there is no judgment, there is no punishment, there is no retribution. So this two concept of merciful, merciful aspect of the Creator and the, and the judge, the absolute justice are to, totally opposing and yet what the Torah is telling us now that suddenly Elohim when it, when it on the middle of the sixth day when he wanted to create it, us and he wanted to make the, 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 the creation very good he turned to the attribute another face of the Creator and ask her to join, as Rashi says, to join him in the ruling on the world. In fact, you can imagine how it happened. You can, you can see Elohim standing there and ask, uh, ask the merciful one to come. She tell her to say, would you come and share with me the ruling of the world? And she come down. I call her she just to, just to separate him from him verbally. Although you can reverse the gender. The gender is not important here. It's just to separate the two of them. And the Zohar sometimes describe them as uh, this one, as the Elohim, as a female, and the merciful one as a male. Uh, and ma- but most of the time it's just the opposite, and, and the Elohim is, is, the, is the male. Uh, and, the, and the merciful one is uh, mercy and the rachamim, rachamim in Hebrew is womb, a womb uh, where a child is grown, embryo is grown, a woman womb. And, and, a, and a woman is, uh, has, a, has this attribute of mercy more than in male because she has a womb. Rachamim, in the, only in Hebrew you see that, that the word mercy comes from the word female womb. So that's why I, I, I stick to that uh, uh, description of, of the merciful one attribute as a female. So, so she come to the world as a, as a ray of light. Which ray of light? You can, this is the same ray of light that radiated from the menorah in the temple. You know, when they, when they, in the holy temple in Jerusalem there was a menorah, a, a candlelight that spread light. So the rabbi said that light that radiated from from the temple outside into the world is the light of the merciful one, light of mercy. 
the credit from the menorah. She came down not only as a ray of light, but as a beautiful cherub. And the two cherubs, actually, the Elohim is a cherub and, and, and depicted in and, and cherub. The Genesis number two, we will we'll get to that when we, we learn about the story of paradise, Eden. So there, the two attributes are depicted as cherubs, and this is the cherub that Moses put on 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 the uh, on the holy ark in the holy of holy. So she is a ray of light, a thin ray of light that came down to the world. She is a cherub, beautiful cherub that came down to join her mate, Elohim, and she is a uh, the the dove, the merciful dove that Yon, that Noah actually sent out from from the ark. So Noah has a very close connection to the merciful one, the Yonah, the the dove. So she came down conceptually to this world, and uh, she says to him, to, to the groom who, who asked her to come, and she comes actually from the Sabbath, from the future, because uh, she will, in, in the Sabbath, this is her domain. So she surrounds our world. As a Chabad in Kabbalah says, she, they, they call it, they call the merciful one, the, the attribute that surrounds our world and lives in the Sabbath, dwell in the Sabbath, king of the Sabbath. And, and she come down to dwell as a Shekhinah, in, in the Shekhinah in Hebrew is, is dwelling. So she come down and she says to him, to the groom, uh, where can you ask me to share the world with you? How can I share the world with you? She looked around, she looked to the right, to the left. She said, well, how can I share this world with you, your world? With your, that was created in your criteria, in your absolute judgment. Everything is good here in your eyes, but it's not good in my eyes. Well, if I had a chance to, 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 to make this world according to my criteria, well, there was no calamity, there was no judgment, there was no death. Everything was just beautiful. It was Sabbath from the beginning. So she says to him, how can I share your world from the future? I will be in the future, but how can I come here to join you on the sixth day? It's not my domain. I have no, no place where to put my wing. I have no place to put my leg here. I, cannot, I have no nest. I cannot dwell anywhere here. Because everything, she, she looks around, she doesn't like it. She doesn't like, you know, in, according to her criteria, we said the merciful is just the opposite of what the Lokim is. So she, she says, well, I, I'm, I cannot join you. So he says, and I'm kind of, Rashi explain all that in just one tiny line, but you need to read the Midrash, you need to read the Zohar to understand what Rashi is saying. So Elohim said to her, okay, I agree with you. This is my word, and you represent the future. But let us make Adam in our one form, in our form, in our image. 
And he, Adam, will escort me towards the Sabbath, the, the creation, toward evil. The one will provide you a nest to live in this world, in my world, in his heart. He is the one, Adam, will be our child, will, will, have, will have a feeling for you. You can dwell in his heart. And, and through him you can reside, you can, you, can, you can take part, you will be dwelling in, our, in my world. And this is the only chance I can be very pleased at the end, and I will rest, and you can, you can, you can rule, and then I will give you the entire, uh, the entire stage. Then you can go and rule the entire world, so to speak. So she agrees. The merciful one agrees. And so together they make Adam. Now, what does it mean together they make Adam? It means that, uh, first of all, that's why uh, in Kabbalah the two attributes are called not only the two cherubs, as I said, they call really Abba and Ima. Abba and Ima is the heavenly father and heavenly mother. You know, Christianity usually knows only the Father. But we, so to speak, we are more pagan. We know that uh, there is uh, not only Father, we have only Mother. The only difference is that we know that those two actually means, what does it mean? It means that there are only two faces of one Creator. And, and they are one, they are up there, mother and father, because they, they got together. This is a story of, of, of Eden that we will learn uh, when we get to chapter 2. How this is the only chapter in the Torah that the two of the cherubs fly together side by side. The merciful one and, and the judge, and really, they, you can see it in the verse how they fly. And uh, they created together Adam, Adam to, to, to fulfill their oneness. Adam will be, in, will be uh, endowed with the ability to live in a Elohim world Elohim, and to answer Elohim demands, to be very good in the eyes of Elohim, to keep his justice, or to, 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 to imply absolute justice in the world. At the same time, we need to do, to please her too. We need to do our, her work. We need to do uh, mercy, compassion, healing the, healing the, healing the sick, feeding the, feeding the hungry, and so on. We need to do full of compassion as Abraham did. And to be beloved, to be beloved, Noah did. And to, 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 to be beloved by, by the merciful one. And each, each attribute will judge us according to, to her or his criteria. And our task is to do the impossible. To take the two attributes and to make them one in our life. To take the impossible, the absolute justice, and the absolute mercy, and to implement it in our life, in our system. To know what should be done in absolute justice, and to know what should be done in the eyes of mercy, and yet to to to, to satisfy the two of them in one shot, in one verdict, 
And that's the path of the Torah, actually. That's the secret of the Torah. The Torah is given to us as a path, as the only path that you can fulfill these two, the two attributes and as oneness. So when we say, well, let's, you know, people say Jews, Judaism is monotheism. And when they say that, they say, okay, uh, you know, we have pagan world and we have monotheism world. So what's the difference? There is one God, and the, and the pagan lived in, believe in many gods. And what is, Jews, what is Judaism did? They just created, they, they stepped one level up and they say all the pagan world, all the pagan uh, 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 gods are one God. So, so what's the difference? It's not a big deal, it's just one step, a mathematical step. And they don't understand, you know, when, that's usually when the scholar says monotheism, the Jews describe Judaism as monotheism, they really miss the boat. They don't understand anything what the Torah is about. Because we are not just one God. When he says, Hear of Israel, Shema Israel, when Moses says, Hear of Israel, Hashem and Elohim is one, actually what he means, you take the absolute justice. And you take the, the, absolute, the absolute mercy and you implement it in my, take my word, follow my word, and implement it in your life, in your system, in, in judgment, in, in, in everything you do. You do the impossible. That's why Jews, that's why we, Israel, when we say the Shema, we put our hand in our, uh, on, on our eyes and we concentrate because it's so difficult. We focus on the oneness, the oneness, the concept of oneness, how to implement it in our life, is, is actually the major task of humanity. This is what, what we will, will decide if we get to the Sabbath or not, if he is very pleased or not. If he deviates the course, if he, if he, let's say, in theory, if he just, if he just worship Elohim, we, we, we want just absolute justice. We will cut the hand of the sieve in the market. We will stone the, the idolater. We will hang uh, and stone and kill and burn all the sinners, like Elohim would do. I will gauge the, gauge the eyes of all the, the perpetrators. I will knock the tooth out of, of everyone who knocked my tooth out. This is the way of absolute justice. If I go that far and I forget about mercy, then I err. I err what? I, I, I violate oneness. Because I follow only my father, I forgot about my mother. On the other hand, another challenge. I can say, well, you know, what should I... Uh, finally, I'm going to the Sabbath, and I'm going to see the Sabbath one day. The Sabbath is very close. Maybe we leave at the end of the sixth day, and the Sabbath is just around the corner. And the merciful one is already here. He's, a, he's here, you know, he's already about here. So let's forgive all the sinners. Let's just follow mercy and, and be, be loved, kiss anyone. And well, if you do that, you will destroy the world. Because we are not there yet. We, we forgot about Elohim. You cannot forget, you cannot forget one of the attributes. You have to, you have to go by the two of them. As one is, and that's our task. That's for that we are born. So that's what it means. Elohim said to the merciful one, we follow Rashi here. We'll see in a minute or next time that there are other, other 
figure that he talked, Elohim talked to many others. But one of the, the first, the first, the first attribute, the first, the first counselor that he consulted with was one either equal to him in power or greater than him in power, another attribute of, of, of the infinite creator, which is a merciful one. We haven't discussed their name yet. Uh, so the merciful one and she, they got together and they agree and to create Adam in their oneness in their oneness and if you and that's the source of idolatry if you don't if you don't violate oneness if you worship only one one's face of the creator or you forget about the other face of creator either you worship your father or your mother separately forgetting about the, the oneness, the infinite creator that is above everything, if you forget that, you, you violate, you will never get to, you will never please both. You have to please both. You see, they, they, they are a couple, they, be, they love each other. Here we mentioned, we talk about the couples, the Kala, so the beloved one, they're also kind of a couple. This is a heavenly couple. So, so the heavenly couple, they got together now and they love each other in harmony and, and so it means that despite their enormous dichotomy, there is a common ground and the common ground is the Torah. Now one may say to me, well, I don't believe there is a common ground. The Lokim, the absolute justice is so much opposing to the merciful, I just cannot put them together. How can I put together the absolute mercy to tell me to forgive everything, not to judge anyone, to open my jail, to release everyone, not to execute anyone? How can I take this and, and take a Lokim word, which is just the opposite, tooth for a tooth and eye for an eye? So how can I take the two opposing ideas and make them one? It's impossible. Well, I tell you, there is one proof that is that's possible. That's us. The very fact that we are here, we, we are created in their oneness. They they got together in harmony and they made us. So if I exist, it means that I can implement it to their oneness because I was made to answer them their oneness. So it's possible. It's you cannot say it's impossible. Now, how, now I know that you can ask me, where Tzvi, you say, you know, I hear what you're telling me, and, and uh, how do I know this is true, what you're telling me? Well, you know, it's a good, maybe it's a Kabbalistic work, and uh, uh, what does it mean to me, and uh, how do I know that I really, uh, what I'm telling you is uh, really Judaism? And, uh, and by the way, uh, I, want, I want to tell you before, before I slip my mind, one step before I'm going to one step before I'm going to prove you that what I was saying is true. Uh, so uh, the consultation he consulted. Okay, now the consultation in Hebrew that's another miracle of the word of the of the Hebrew language that you cannot see it in any other language. To consult in Hebrew is to say nimlach. Nimlach. 
And miraculously, that's the same word as a king. A king, so who is a king? A king is not a tyrant. A tyrant is a moshel, is a tyrant. In Hebrew, it's a moshel. As a Vilna Gaon used to say. So, so, so the, 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 the tyrant is a moshel, but Elohim, but, but the king will consult. Who is a king? In Hebrew, who is Melech? The Nimlach. Who is a king? Who is a, a, a king? The one who consults. So it's like a democratic king. A king who consults. So he stopped here, and when he started to consult, he, when he, he turned around and he was not a tyrant anymore, and he became a king. So we'll talk about one day the concept of kingship in the Torah, of Elohim, and what, is, what does it mean kingship? It's all related to Rosh Hashanah, because Rosh Hashanah is a day that we not only stand in judgment, but we, we enthrone him. So people will always ask me, and I remember many people ask me, what do you mean enthroning a God? You know, enthroning, what do you need to enthrone God? They don't understand the story. God became enthroned when he consulted. When he consulted, Whoever he consulted, he consulted the first one to consult, he consulted the merciful one. So the, the, when he consulted, he stopped becoming a tyrant and he became a king who consult. In Ribu, it's, it's wrong. In Ribu, it comes out right. In Nimlach and in Nimlach. The same word, Nimlach, means he consulted with and he became a throne. A, a king. So now we understand why the Sabbath is a queen, and he is a queen. He is a king. Or the merciful one is a queen, and he is a king. So because they got together and he consulted each other with love and harmony. So when we, when being Rosh Hashanah, we enthrone him. Actually, we we repeat the story. We enthrone him. It means we we appreciate the fact that he's not a tyrant anymore. But he stepped down from from being a supreme judge. He stepped down from being a supreme judge. He don't regard anyone. He just follows the supreme law. And he became a king, a government. Who consult. So, so a kingship is a stepping down from tyranny, from the power of tyranny. And that's we appreciate in Rosh Hashanah. We don't want it to be, and we want him, to, we pray to him, go step down, God, uh, from your, from the, from your harsh judgment, and, and consult, and, and, and be, consult his mercy. And let us see the next year. That's what we do in Rosh Hashanah. So all, all we were talking here today, and so far, is just to give you the background of Rosh Hashanah, what uh, Bnei Noach should, should, should also uh, worship and, and celebrate every year. Now, uh, I told you I'm going to prove to you. So, what I said, and give me just one minute and I'll read it for you. I, I'll put it on the internet for you next week. And, uh, be, and uh, you see, in the Holy Temple, on the Holy Temple, uh, let us make our image is a reference to Lokim and Earth. No, well, we'll talk about it. Uh, there, it's possible. It's, it is it is possible. Now, uh, 
it is possible that he has there are other options to whom is a consult, but it's important to keep in order order of consultation, what came first, what came second. We got two more minutes for our class. Let me let me read it for you, something that can prove to you that what I was saying is really in line. In the holy temple of Jerusalem there was a custom for the for the uh, for the Levite choir. Every day of the week they selected one psalm song appropriate for the day according to the story of creation. So on Sunday, on this first day, they, they, they sang, they chanted a certain psalm that's really fit for Sunday. Second day for, for, for the first day, then for Monday, for the second day, then for the third day. Each day there is a psalm song that they sang. Now when they came to, to the sixth day, to Friday, the song they, they chanted in the Holy Temple, and we still do it in the synagogue on, on every Friday, he says like this, Hashem will rain, will have rain. He will have dawn grandeur. Hashem will have dawn might. Um, even firm and would be as it should. Uh, the, 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 the evidence the earth became firm and should not falter. See, it should not falter. When you became a king, they should not falter. I will, I will print, I will print it to you next time, so we'll see it there. Uh, so the song, the the, the 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 psalm song, it's it's number ninety-three, and it repeats the story because once they got together, the two the two cherubs, they flew over the earth, over the creation, and they consolidated it. From now on. The, the threat was taken off. It was it was a it was a left for the final judgment. But as long as we are here, we remove the threat, and the and the universe was consolidated, and Elohim wouldn't annihilate it as he intentionally initially wanted to do. As long as we are here and we are still on trial. So as long as we are, we are here, the, the universe is consolidated. And otherwise, if we, but at the end of the day, the end of the sixth day, when he, there will be a final judgment, and he will judge if he's very pleased with us or not. Well, we need to talk about it more. Uh, any question? I think we, we ended up this the, the hour, and we have so much to talk about. I'll put it again for you uh, on the internet there. Uh, so you can read it and reread it and put open your Bible, read it again and try to digest it. Any question? No question? Uh, I see here the question about the earth um, created from the ground. Yeah, we'll talk about how how we created uh, how the how the process, how the two the two attributes went together and how they build us. That's very important because we need to know ourselves. Remember, idolatry is to know Him and to know ourselves. Uh, to know ourselves and to know ourselves, we need to know why we are built and how we how we build us. If we don't know ourselves, how we build us, we will never win our task. So He built us to comply with the Lokim world from Earth. 
from whatever is in this universe, how to cope with it, how to rule it. At the same time, we need to also to meet her demand. So what you're asking me is just what we're going to discuss next step, how they really, how the two, how the mother and father, the two attributes, the two cherubs, how they got together, how they really made us, finally. Any other question? If not, uh, I think I'll have to say stop here, and I really appreciate you being with me, opportunity to discuss all the beautiful things with you, and we'll see you next week. Shalom. Okay. Take care, and with God help you, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much.